This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Telling Everybody Everything. It has all kicked off in our house again today. Megan went to the vet three weeks ago in an emergency situation. She was having respiratory distress. They were amazing with her. They figured out not really what was wrong because that takes a surgery where they do this bronchial something. They put some liquid in their lungs, fluid, saline, and then they extract it and they see if there's a pathogen like deep in their lung tissue. I don't know. But Megan's never been stable enough for that surgery. And she got better on the medicine. So I was like, oh, well, let's not do the surgery. Like, who cares why? Let's just be thankful that she's better. So we'll leave it. And then today she wasn't better. All of a sudden, after being really well for a long time on the medication, she started breathing funny again today. And so I've got a million things to do, but luckily Bobby was home and I asked him to zip her down to the vet, which is five minutes away. And I've just heard from them that she's in an oxygen tent again. And I mean, I just don't know what's wrong with Megan, but we intervened very quickly. She should be back with us this evening. And I think Megan is just going to have to be on Viagra for the rest of her life. Like so many aging oil billionaires, you know, and what Viagra is doing for Megan is sort of easing hypertension on some valve in her heart that's compensating for pressure on her lungs. And then if we cure the lungs, like, I just don't know. I'm not a doctor. But once again, thank you to Vets Now, who are an emergency service that might work overnight at your vets and they work overnight at mine. Thank you to our local vet. Thank you to the Royal Veterinary Hospital Queen Mary something. I don't know what it's called. It's got like 10 names because it's British and it's really posh and you can go to school there to be a vet. A lot of people wrote me after that episode and they were like, do you know vets have a higher rate of suicide than anyone? And I feel like the wrong people are vets, if I may be honest. And I don't mean the vets dealing with Megan now. They're brilliant. But to become a vet, you have to score like crazy medical chemistry maths results as though you're training to be a doctor, which fair enough, you are. But then, like, you're a real A-type personality, presumably, if you're going to do well on those exams. And treating animals is a lot about common sense, too. And there are a lot of, like, really cool farm kids who have great instincts about animals and can learn how to make them better, but they might not score so well on a chemistry test. Then you go to school for ages and ages and ages, only to come out and start working in veterinary services. And everybody yells at you all the time and says that you're a crook because there's no NHS for vets. And, I mean, it's just a heartbreaking field. But 
I'm so grateful for everyone who works in it. And like I said before, and I'll say again, if I get sick, I want to go to the vet. I would deliver a baby at the vet. I would get vaccinations from a vet. I would, <laughs> I would love it. They would call me a good girl and they would give me treats. And I'd keep putting an oxygen tent with my favorite toys from home. And people would take me for walks. Like, I love the vet, but I'm so sorry that Megan's there today. <laughs> I just don't know what's wrong with her. <sighs> There's happy news in celebrity and reality stratosphere. Taylor Swift, as many of you know, has been named Time's Person of the Year. Violet is ecstatic about this news, but it couldn't go to anyone else, not even Beyonce. Both of them are dominating the summer slash autumn slash winter tours. I think Taylor Swift has done even more gigs than Jimmy Carr himself this year, which Jimmy, I saw the other day, he's done like at least 320 gigs this year. He was in the UK. We filmed Big Fat Quiz. That comes out on Boxing Day, so please tune into that. It was a really funny one. Kevin Bridges was on, and he's a rare treat on British television. You know, he's not populating all of the panel shows all the time. He's a very strong, unique, comedic talent, and it was amazing to be in the room with him. And I won't spoil it, tell you all the other guests, but they were great. Um, Jimmy flew in and did that, and then he's back out in Los Angeles again doing more dates in Seattle, and he's just amazing. But Taylor Swift is everywhere. And I know this because we are going to see Taylor Swift when she comes to London in August. I just bought a ton of Taylor Swift merch for Violet's Christmas present. And actually, fuck Taylor Swift merch for doing Christmas tree ornaments. Do you know, like, do you have to sell everything? No, I am not spending 12 pounds on a Christmas tree ornament, Taylor Swift merch ornament, so that it can be on my tree for a week once it arrives. Absolutely not. I got some hoodies. I got some things. I love Taylor Swift. I saw a wonderful joke posted by Nikki Glazer, who was one of my favorite comedians the other day, and she was roasting Jewel. You know Jewel. Who will save your soul if you won't save your own? La -na 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 -na. And she has kind of a snaggle tooth, and she's really beautiful. Nikki had great jokes about that. She said her teeth are like the Spice Girls. They're all a different color and doing their own thing. But one of the funniest things she said, she called Jewel Trailer Swift. Which is, I mean, mwah, beautiful roast joke. Everyone knows Jewel is cool. She was into it. She laughed a lot. But Taylor Swift, person of the year. And in the accompanying article announcing this honor with beautiful photo story, Taylor spoke about the infamous phone call that was apparently illegally recorded on Kim or Kanye's phone at the time where Taylor seemed to give Kanye permission to have the lyric in that song, famous. I made that bitch famous. Uh, so if you'll remember about, oh, was this two or three years ago at this point? Kanye released the song, Famous. And in the artwork, he was in bed with lots of famous people. They did it through, you know, the magic of cinematic artistry, AI, whatever they did. And he was in bed, I think, with Donald Trump at one point and some other people. And one of the people in bed with Kanye was this fake Taylor Swift. And he's talking about the incident when they met at that awards where Taylor won an award and Kanye rushed the stage and he was like, I'm gonna let you finish. It's very famous if you don't know it already. He said, Beyonce should have won video of the year. Beyonce, that video was amazing. Da, 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 da. Beyonce's great. And Taylor was just a little girl. I mean, how old is she now? Like 34. She would have been in her early 20s at that time. She's spoken about the humiliation of that night at length in her documentaries and different interviews. The audience was booing Kanye, but she said at the time she felt that they were booing her. She didn't really know what was going on. She's raised like a very 
uh, strong but polite Southern young woman. And what do you do when a man comes on stage and says, oh, you shouldn't have that award. Someone else should have the award. And even Beyonce in the crowd, you see her face like, Kanye, what? She's shocked. And Taylor was really sad. And Kanye was referencing that moment and really taking, well, we know now that Kanye's mental, but at the time he was taking credit really for a lot of her fame. And Taylor was very famous before. I mean, she was winning an award that Beyonce was also nominated for. She was that famous. And Kanye wants to say that because of this controversy, he made her famous. So that video came out and Taylor released a statement just being like, don't let men, you know, generally take credit for your achievements, your accomplishments. Like this is, she just released a statement about that video. And then some people started clapping back at Kanye. So in retaliation to that, it was Kim who released a phone recording that showed Taylor apparently giving permission for Kanye to use these lyrics. What it didn't show was the lyric, I feel like Taylor and I might still have sex. I made that bitch famous. It just said I made her famous. It might have said something about the sex, but there were parts missing. Taylor appeared to grant him permission, be like, yeah, all right, that's cool. Yeah, okay, creative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she didn't have the full story. And it was an edited version of the tapes. And it was maliciously released. Very mean girls, high school shit, of Kim and Kanye to protect him and to vilify Taylor. And Taylor said in this Time article that she sank into a really low psychological point at that time because it made her look like a liar. It made her look like she colluded with these lyrics but then made a front of being like, oh no, he, he should never take credit for my achievements, but actually she knew about the song the whole time. She said that it affected her so badly that she moved to a foreign country and didn't leave her rented house for a year. Now we know that foreign country that she's talking about is the UK. And she's referencing the time that she lived in Highgate. She was dating that Highgate boy, Joe Aldwin, for a time. A foreign country, sure. I mean, I don't think London is very different to New York. But yeah, I mean, it was hard for her and she became a recluse and she didn't trust anyone. And she had a lot of issues with friendships. Like, of course you would. Of course you would. Like who's recording? So that happened to me in high school. It happened to many of us in high school where three-way calling was just invented, but also you could have someone listening on the landline and girls love to bully each other. No, we didn't have advanced tools like Snapchat. Um, and texting and all the things that they have now cameras on every phone. But we used the technology that we had for pure evil. And I remember two of my close girlfriends, apropos of nothing, like there was no beef going on, rang me up and one girl was chatting to me being like, yeah, don't you think Shasta's annoying? Don't you think, yeah, she's kind of a clingy or she's a bitch. It was something that was initiated by this girl. And I think just to participate or just, uh, yeah, yeah, I do think she's annoying. Yeah, I really joined in. Shasta, of course, was listening on the other line, and then everyone was mad at me, not just Shasta. It was like I was set up very much like in the film Mean Girls, and all of a sudden, everyone was mad. What you can't anticipate is a world where you're the most famous people in it, and this phone call happens, and you kind of feel tricked, and you kind of feel bullied, but then it's also shared worldwide and becomes the biggest news story. So yeah, that would psychologically have a huge impact on most people. And they'd go, well, who can I even trust. And she stopped taking phone calls to anyone. She didn't want to have conversations with her friends. Like it changed the very fabric of who she was for a time. Luckily, she has come out like a phoenix from the ashes, stronger as always. And that's why we love Taylor Swift. 
but now an extended version of that phone call has been released. And I mean, I feel badly because Kim, obviously, I don't want to absolve her of any wrongdoing. It is not cool to secretly record someone and then to release that recording, especially maliciously, especially an edited version to have the narrative that you want. But now in retrospect, again, you never have all the information at the time. She was married to Kanye. She was protecting a man, being loyal to him in the midst of his mental illness. And I think a lot of women shrink themselves, change themselves, accommodate themselves around a man who could be very toxic. And love is a funny thing. They say love is blind. Well, you can do stupid things in the name of love. And who knows who edited that tape and why and what Kim really knew. But now the full version's out and it shows a very different story. And Taylor is vindicated by this. She's like, yeah, I didn't know everything he was going to say. The thing was edited. And what could she do? Because she didn't have a legal recording. So whose side are you on? A very spicy addendum to this is that Taylor called Kim and Kanye trash in this article. She calls them trash. What's going to happen now? Is Kim bulletproof? Do we accept that Kim was navigating quite a toxic relationship at that time? Is Kim going to issue an apology? This is a big article. Taylor is the person of the year. And I know that historically, whenever Kim has had beefs to speak of, she has quashed them. She and Paris Hilton were a little bit funny for a while, and then they were besties again, and Paris was appearing in a Skims campaign. She had some stuff with Amber... Rose for a while? Is that her name? And then they were fine again. Like she always sort of moves forward with the sisterhood. And I hope that this can happen for Kim and Taylor because they are two of my favorites. And sometimes you act like a bitch. Hillary Clinton was taken to task for, I don't know exactly what she did. Allegedly, Bill Clinton had mistresses. Allegedly. I think Bill Clinton allegedly had many mistresses. And there are loads of conspiracy theories out there that talk about some of his mistresses meeting uh, untimely doom. And I don't know about any of that. But Hillary has been criticized for not protecting these women. Like, apparently they came to her and she would threaten them instead of being like, oh, you know, because we've all seen that film, The Other Woman, starring Leslie Mann and Cameron Diaz. And like, apparently what you're supposed to do when you find out your partner's been cheating on you is like, get Nicki Minaj involved. And then the three of you like come together to bring him down. Kate Upton is in it, like looking amazing. It's a great film. It's a fun movie. But that's not the generation that I'm from. Like, that's not real life. I would love to be that kind of a feminist. I really would. And that is the goal but when someone threatens your intimate, close partner, which who knows what Kim was told, all she knows is Kanye's released a song, Taylor's released a statement, everyone's mad at Kanye, you're going to stand up and you're going to protect your man. And I feel badly for Hillary Clinton, because if I found out that a bunch of women were sleeping with my husband, would I be strong enough to be like, all right, girls, I'm on your side? Or would I do 10 minutes of Facebook investigations and have an entire dossier on them in five minutes and ruin their lives with it. I don't know what I would do. I would like to think the former. We would all like to think we're strong enough to always side with the sisterhood because men are ultimately pathetic. And let me be clear when I say this, because I don't want to offend anyone. All men, all of them. <laughs> and Kanye is really at the root of this feud. So Kim, Taylor, I hope you can put it behind you. 
Many of you might have seen that I was recently profiled in the Wall Street Journal. It was a really fun interview where an American man rang me and he had no idea about anything in my life, which doesn't happen that often in the UK now. They sort of have a backstory, but he was asking me about my family and about Hooters. And it was really fun to do that article. And it was to promote my special Misses, which is available here in the UK on Sky and on Now. It's available on something called Veeps, which is owned by Benji Madden, which means Cameron Diaz has now probably seen my special. I'm really excited about that. Um, Angelina Jolie was another grand dame who was profiled recently. Uh, She opened up about her divorce from Brad Pitt, their custody battle, and most saliently, how her only friends are her six kids and quote, a handful of refugee women, which is the most on-brand thing Angelina Jolie could ever say. I don't have any female friends. I'm only friends with my kids and a handful of refugee women because we know that Angelina Jolie is a philanthropist and God love her for that. And she became like the modern day Princess Diana for a while and she does incredible work and she looks better than ever. Uh, I don't know how I feel. I mean, look, the goal is certainly to be best friends with your kids when they have reached the age that a lot of Angelina Jolie's kids have. I can't wait for the day that Violet and I can have a friendship where if she doesn't let the dogs out or she doesn't hoover the main floor that I can just be like, eh, that's who she is. She's an adult. It's not my problem. And we can have cocktails together. We can go out and do things. And I really believe that I will always have a relationship with Violet that I I don't think is going to be possible with the small kids. Not least because the small kids and I are fucking half a decade, half a century apart I'm going to be 80 when they're 40, if I'm alive. And I don't think they're going to want to hang out with me. (laughs) But Violet will be 20 years old in like five years. And I'm not going to, I mean, by that age, I didn't even live at home. And I'm still going to be exactly the person I am now, except with a facelift. And Violet and I, I think are going to have a lot of fun except I will still have very small children. And Violet, please don't you have small children by that time or else both of us are fucked and I'm going to have to look after all of them. But if Violet's living the life that I want for her, then we'll be really great friends. That time, I mean, that tricky, tricky time, it's a fond time that we all look back on. I think Angelina Jolie and I were pregnant at the same time because I remember I superimposed my face on her body for one of my pregnancy announcements. I mean, that's how young I was. (laughs) I was like 24 years old, like, I'm pregnant, using Angie's body in a red carpet photo in my little face. Uh, That's how I let my girlfriends know, and it was around this time of year. I was three months pregnant with Violet, Christmas 2008, and that's how I let everybody know. But um, it was so weird around the Angelina Jolie, Brad Pitt, Jennifer Aniston time, and back then we could talk about women as vessels, and we could talk about women as though the greatest success that they could have was marriage. And if they lost that, especially if they lost a man like Brad Pitt, then it was a failure. And it was, the whole narrative was like, look at Angelina, like number one, she's so beautiful, but also she's such a nurturing earth mother and she's pregnant now and she's adopted all these wonderful kids and she does such good work and she's fiery and she wears vials of blood around her neck. So there she's nurturing and she's also fucking Brad's brains out. And there were stories like of neighbors complaining and calling the police because they thought there was a murder, but Angie and Brad were just like having sex. So it was all these themes of like, she is the ideal woman. She's like lovely and beautiful 
beautiful and symmetrical, but she also fucks. And she looks after all these kids and she's rich. Like she had everything. And then we took Jennifer Aniston, who's awesome. Like there's not one person on the face of the planet who has anything bad to say about Jennifer Aniston. Beautiful, talented, career oriented, like funny, a great wife, presumably. And people really zeroed in on the fact that they hadn't had children. And they were like, how? No wonder he's left her barren, famous womb because she's not given him the one thing that a man yearns for. It's like, uh, guess what? I gave my husband three beautiful children and it's been the ultimate betrayal. Men don't actually want that. <laughs> they think they want that. Men think that they want a wonderful, dutiful, adoring wife and mother. But when they get that, it kind of just makes them feel bad about themselves and look bad. Like Bobby's an amazing husband and he's a wonderful dad, but he's still a shit mom. Like if you compare him to me, it's like, well, I'm still the mom. Like I work really hard and I earn loads of money and I breastfeed and I look after my kids and I'm never too drunk and I don't do anything wrong and I'm always up early. Like nobody wants to be married to that because by comparison, you just feel like a pisshead. You're like, oh, will you please? I think that what men secretly want is a mess. If you want to make your husband really happy, because no one, like at the end of your life, no one's going to come and be like, oh, wow, like you really took it on the chin and did everything for everyone. Well done, you. No, you're just going to be like, oh, you know, we don't hang out with mom anymore because she grew to be really resentful in the end. She was complaining all the time about how she did everything for everyone. And that was annoying. So what you should really do is like, don't always do the school run. Drop the ball once in a while. Give kids like, a playing card with a smear of peanut butter on it for their lunch, their packed lunch. Go out and drink. Don't come home some nights. Have an affair sometimes. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't have the energy to do that stuff, but I think the women who do it and who are bossy and mean sometimes and withhold sex, I think those women are the happiest because their husband's like really on his toes. And also, if you're relaxed and you're like a bit drunk sometimes and you forget stuff and you're disorganized, then he can be a bit drunk sometimes and disorganized and forget stuff. Like it's no fun, for example, being the one who's golfing when your wife is at home like martyring herself like, well, I, I would never even do a back nine holes. I'm always dedicated to my house and my children and my work. Like that's not fun to be married to. I think a man wants a woman who like also disappears for five hours to do her own activity. And maybe he'll complain about it at first, but ultimately he'll respect you. You're even, you make him feel better about himself. This is what I've learned from my marriage. And like I said, I have a really good husband, but I've still learned this is that it's not a contest. Like it would suck to be married to me actually, because <laughs> I am a wonderful wife and mother. Nobody wants that. Be a little Angelina Jolie, be a little bit unpredictable. But I felt bad for Jennifer Aniston when all that happened. And like, good for her. She was just like, yeah, I'm fine with it. Goodbye, Brad. Because he's a nightmare, as we found out. Because since then, there have been all these reports of alleged reports of his drinking and like problems with the kids on flights. There was that whole fight with Maddox. And it's like, do you know, Jennifer Aniston is the winner, I think. If we shouldn't pit women against each other, but because we already did, to the point that there were literally... Team Jen, Team Angelina shirts for sale en masse. Since we already pit these women against each other, full circle, 360 degrees, Jennifer Aniston got Brad Pitt when he was young, when he was fun, when he had energy, when he didn't have any kids, 
And that was probably a wonderful marriage. And that ended. And I think you can put it up on the shelf with all your other awards as a beautiful success. And Angelina got him when he was fun and he was sexy at first, still successful, rugged, talented. But then I think allegedly the drinking started to snowball and he got like six kids out of nowhere and everybody hates that. That is the nail in the coffin of any relationship. And things got complicated. And now he's old and he's grumpy and he's fighting with her oldest son. Like who knows what's happening over there? So she's opened up about that divorce and I feel like good for, good for everyone. Who's Brad Pitt dating now? Who's Brad Pitt dating now? Anyone? Who's going to get Brad Pitt next? Who is Brad Pitt? I'm Googling it. I make so many typos dating now. Ines de Ramon since 2022. Who's Ines de Ramon? Oh, he was linked to several women after his divorce, including Emily Ratajkowski and Nicole Pochuralasrski. Look, they all have a type. He's dating these hot, hot models. This Inez, she looks fun. And they're officially dating. How old is this girl? Oh, no. You know what? Like, yeah. I think date these men, marry these men when you're both of the right marrying age. Enjoy them for a time. And then if they want to move on with like a teenager. Oh, all right. She's 30. But that's still very young. She's half his age. <sighs> Great. Florence Pugh is one of the most beautiful women on earth. I think she is so stunning. I abhor the pixie haircut that she's got because that haircut says to me, and it's a very en vogue haircut right now. A lot of people are doing buzz cuts and everything. It says to me, I have utter confidence in my bone structure and I have a lovely little feminine face that can carry off a buzz cut, pixie cut. Well, guess what, Florence Pugh, I don't. If I cut my hair that short, condolences would be made. Flowers would be sent. <laughs> People would be worried because I just, I'm too angular for it. I would just look like Killian Murphy. It's not a good look for me. But Florence Pugh is in the news today. She is the latest celeb to fall target to the fan trend of throwing shit whilst on stage at a live event. During a press event in St. Paulo for Dune 2, Pew was on stage with co-stars Austin Butler. You know that guy who like really did deep dive on becoming Elvis? Timothy Chalamet. I'm not, I'm too old for, I don't understand what a Timothy Chalamet is. He, okay, they, I think he looked very androgynous. That's really cool. Some of the fashion that I see from Timothy Chalamet, but like I'm of the generation. I don't know if he could like change a light bulb in my house or like, I just, all these girls seem to be obsessed with him. Apparently he's dating Kylie Jenner. That I don't get, but he's got this magnanimous quality. I don't know. From New York, people love it. Zendaya was there too. Zendaya, one of the most talented women on earth. And something was thrown and it hit her in the face. This follows disturbing events in which BB Rexa, Harry Styles, and Pink have had things thrown at them on stage. Rexa had a phone thrown at her. You might remember that. It hit her in the head and she went down straight away. And then she posted later about it and her head was just like gushing blood. A phone is really sharp and heavy thing to throw at someone. And Pink had a fan throw their own mother's ashes at her so that she could scatter them, I suppose, on behalf of the mother. What's wrong with these people? What's happening? Gen Z, get it together. You can't be throwing stuff. I mean, I think that 
if you go back to Glastonbury and like the old days of Woodstock, people would throw certainly cups of piss. I feel like cups of piss is like the original thing to throw. And that's why they won't let you have glass at any of these things. Because they know like people get drunk and they're going to throw something. And so if you throw like a plastic pint glass, if it's a very light plastic and it's got piss, I mean, that's not ideal. But throwing heavy things, ashes. So what hit her in the face then? It wasn't actually shit, shit. It was just stuff. Something was thrown and hit her in the face. That's never happened to me. I mean, no. I have seen videos of comedians having things thrown at them that hit them and hurt. But all I have thrown my way is shade. The worst gig I ever had is just when people turned around and had their own conversations. I would rather be pelted with shit than have someone turn around and have their own conversations. Early, early in my career, though, and I count this as my first stand-up gig, I was comparing the bikini pageant at Hooters because I had participated in one bikini pageant, and then I thought, wouldn't it be powerful to hold the microphone and wear a dress? And what we do at the Hooters bikini pageants is it's just like in the restaurant. I know in the UK there are like mixed opinions about what Hooters is. It's fine. It's like being a cheerleader at a family restaurant. There's chicken and beer, but there's also a kid's menu, balloons, hula hooping, fun times. So loads of men were there eating chicken wings. It's not a family-friendly night, the bikini pageant, by the way. Um, And the girls are kind of walking on tables in bikinis and doing stuff, and I'm asking all the questions, and I'm trying to keep it fun. And I really took this job very seriously. And men, this one man anyway, his table, they started throwing those little packets, square packets of wet wipes, the ones to clean your hands. They have like lemon on them after you eat chicken wings. Throwing those at me, which didn't hurt. I mean, they're light. You could barely throw them. And they were landing at my feet. And I picked one up and I whipped it back. And I said something to the effect of, that's the only way he's getting anyone wet tonight. Just with a wet wipe. It was an early diss, but good for me. Because I was only a little baby girl. Only a little, like, first-time compare comedian. But I got the taste for it that night. But I wouldn't want to be hit with an iPhone. No. Dangerous. If you're going to go to concerts, and this is why we can't have nice things. This is why people are taking everything away from you. Because you film concerts, you put them online when you're not supposed to, like a comedy show. Dave Chappelle will make you zip your phone on a little thing. Or you throw dangerous things and you hurt people. And now it's scary. Like Dave Chappelle, speaking of Dave Chappelle, got rushed by this fan who like tried to fight him. And then what happened to this fan? Like it's very scary actually to be out in public for some performers. Not me here in the UK. Everybody's nice. Let's listen to some words from our sponsors now, and when we return, I will open the emails and see what letters have come my way. Listeners are always really good about giving previous week's listeners advice, responding to last week's podcast, and also there'll be some new dilemmas, questions, and comments for this week. If you ever want to write me a letter, the address is telling everybody everything at gmail.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. 
Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com The headline topic is in response to the listener who wrote in about pain during arousal. And clearly, the medical community is stumped when it comes to women. You got a problem and they're like, eh, have you considered going for a walk? Well, then maybe just don't have sex. Well, then maybe just don't eat chocolate, I suppose. And it's like, well, that's not good enough. And so this is what women do. We create communities where we reach out to each other and we share stories and we have anecdotal evidence of stuff, which a doctor will be like, well, that's not good enough. It's like, well, that's all we have to go on. So thank you so much to everyone who wrote in about vulval pain. Is this listener using hormonal contraception? She didn't specify. Catherine, I haven't had the pain the listener described, but I did have a vulval pain condition called vulvodynia for 10 years. It's caused by damage to the nerves at the entrance to the vagina and makes penetrative sex, riding a bike, or using tampons painful. It took three years to get a diagnosis. Although all the NHS doctors and nurses I saw did their best and were very compassionate, there is clearly a lack of knowledge overall about vulval pain. I was prescribed all sorts of creams, antidepressants, steroid injections, etc. One of my doctors mentioned in passing that coming off the pill might help. But when I asked more, he said, oh, well, it's probably not worth it for the inconvenience. Inconvenience to whom? My husband, who would have had to wear condoms? After doing my own research, I made the decision to come off hormonal contraception almost a year ago, and the change has been incredible. Within three weeks, the pain started to go away. Now I am pain-free and enjoying having penetrative sex again. Congratulations. It's wild to me that such a simple solution to my pain was missed due to a lack of awareness. Your listener is not alone. There are loads of us who've had problems with vulval pain and have had to navigate the healthcare system with no success. Recovery is possible, but they will most likely need to take matters into their own hands and research what treatments might work for them. I hope this information might help your listener and anyone else suffering. Another resource to check out is the Vulval Pain Society, vulvalpainsociety.org. Crazy crazy that, you know, hormonal contraception is a wonderful, wonderful discovery that has liberated women, that has made us no longer slaves to, I mean, I I shouldn't use the word slaves, but you know what I mean, like bound to procreation. And there were relationships for a long time where like, if you were having sex with your husband, you just had to kind of keep your fingers crossed that you weren't going to get pregnant. And Irish women, especially in my family and in a lot of my friends' families, they would just have a baby every 18 months. And you see these women suffering with postnatal depression and all types of things. And it really does fall on them. They'd lose autonomy. They wouldn't be able to work. You know, there are loads of things that come with breeding for us and being in a relationship without contraception. So I think contraception is great, though it's flawed. And it clearly requires more research, and it isn't suitable for everyone. And I know that they introduced a pill for men that was like laughed out of town. And they're still doing research on it. But overall, it's like, "Mm, well, we're not going to give this to men because it might have side effects. Oh, no. We wouldn't want to negatively impact the man's sperm or the man's mood or the man's, like, very delicate biodome. Biodome is a movie. Microbiome. <laughs> and I wouldn't trust a man to take contraception either. If a man, if I was 
randomly having sex or even in my relationship. Yeah, let's say Bobby was like, don't worry about it. I'll go on the pill. I'd be like, "Mm, no, we'll see. I would like to take ownership of contraception, but there needs to be a better way because this just isn't working for everyone, the pill. It's in its infancy, this research for women. Thank you so much for your letter. And then Joanne's written me this on like way, so many different platforms. And I don't know, Joanne, you don't need to insert your personal stories into this podcast, but she clearly wants to. From Joanne, she's written, do you remember after Richard was born? Richard is the name of her son. My vag basically sealed itself shut for months. No, Joanne, I don't remember that. Like somehow I've erased that memory from my mind. I don't remember for months after Richard was born, your vag being sealed shut. I do remember her saying something to me But I felt like that was like a defense mechanism because she just really didn't like her husband anymore. And now they're not together. So your vag was doing you a favor, I feel. Since I'd just given birth, the doctors just had me waited out. Finally, eight months postpartum, my GP gave me these pills I had to insert. They were medicine to alleviate high blood pressure. She wondered if stress had caused my muscles to contract too much and just sort of stay like that. In any case, two of these pills fixed me up immediately. Great anecdote, Joanne. What? I mean, I wish my vagina would slam shut sometimes. Stress? You can be so stressed out that your vagina slams shut. I mean, women's bodies are amazing. Because your husband, you know, I never want to talk shit about your husband. I didn't really know him, to be honest with you. But he seems like a great guy, mostly ineffective to me. And I feel like it's great that you have Richard and we all love him so much. And he's a wonderful kid. But your body, sometimes your body just knows, knows. And your body's like, "Uh uh-uh, slam shut. Let's see if you get a job. And then, with the pills, like the pills overrode the wisdom of your own body. So actually, you probably shouldn't have taken those pills. Another possibility. Here's from another listener. Oh, this listener thinks you might be experiencing lichen sclerosis. My mom has lichen sclerosis. She describes it as a tiny Edward Scissorhands leaving paper cuts all around the opening to her vagina. I'm sorry. If my mom described for, to me a tiny Edward Scissorhands leaving paper cuts all around my mom's vagina, is your mom Angelina Jolie? You sound like best friends to me. This is a level of disclosure. If I went to Violet and was like, Violet, the entrance to my vagina, like I'm experiencing vulval pain and it's like a tiny Edward Scissorhands is leaving tiny paper cuts all around the mouth of my vag to the point that I'm finding sex with your father difficult. <laughs> She'd be like, no, thanks. But I like this. I like that you and your mom have this conversation and maybe it's gonna help our listener. It's not well researched because well, that's women's health, but changing my mom's diet and the use of prescribed steroid cream when needed has really helped. Perhaps it could be this. I hope you're making a list of things that could be wrong with your vag. Juliet wrote in to let us know that beginning next year, medical schools in the UK will start implementing more training that centers around female health. Next year? 2024? The medical community has started realizing that 50% of the population have vaginas? and uteruses, and ovaries, and estrogen, and menopause? Cool. Catherine. Oh, this is scheduling vanilla sex. This is a different topic. All right, so thank you to everyone who wrote in about these vulval issues. I think there are so many more, but Joanne just picked out the best ones. And then she's also, for some reason, 
included a message from Helen in an untitled email that just says slut in the body. Thanks for that. I don't know if that's for the listener with a sore vag or for me, whatever. We could be slut shamed today. It's a Friday. Thank you. And if you have any more answers as to why this listener might be experiencing vulval pain during arousal, let me know. Oh, oh, I found out the cause of my vulval pain. I found out. Can't believe I forgot to include this. Here, Joanne and I go inserting our very private lives into this podcast. On the evening of December 5th, was it December? Where was I? No, it was not. It was November 25th. I went out with BK. Jimmy had a little soiree. I don't. Yes, it was. And I experienced pain. Felt like I I was just standing at the bar. I told you on last week's podcast, I was talking to my friend Emily and something was happening in my like vag that was sore, but it felt like a pain that like I needed to have sex to make it go away. If that makes sense. I was just like, oh, it felt like, I don't know. And then it went away by the time I got home anyway. And I was like, that was weird. But I have really realized that I'm ovulating again or maybe starting to ovulate. Um, I just know my body and I've been breastfeeding for assault well forever. But I just felt like, oh, yeah, there's a different sort of like humidity. I think I'm ovulating. Uh, I've never had just like pain, like deep, like lower in my vagina during ovulation. But that's exactly what it was because bang on two weeks later. And you can pretty much bank on your luteal phase being exactly two weeks if you have norm normal, what's normal anymore, cycle. I got my period. It's my first period since Fenna was born. So that means I could have got pregnant that month, but didn't. I can't get pregnant this month. So watch out. But that's what it was, I guess. Uh, But ovulating, like sometimes people can feel ovulation in their ovaries, but you don't normally feel it in your vag. So that was really weird. And I can always feel implantation like all three times that I've been pregnant and maybe the other times I don't remember, but I had pain like five days after ovulating that I know was implantation. I can feel a lot of things and I'm lucky. Back to the emails. Sorry, I digress. We just get pain for a variety of reasons. Okay, scheduling vanilla sex to maintain the marriage. Catherine, I'm emailing on behalf of every vanilla vamp out there who loves their husband, definitely doesn't want to cheat, and has had a very stagnant sex life due to kids. Situation normal. Did I write this email to myself? My kids are now seven and nine. They sleep in their own beds and my husband and I have our time back, but it did take a while to get our romantic life back on track after years of putting ourselves after the needs of our kids. Alongside bed hopping, I broke my ankle two years ago. I had a herniated disc in my back. Physically, I was definitely not in a place for even vanilla sex. And mentally, I was very depressed, having so many physical setbacks to normal life. A friend of mine suggested we schedule couples nights to get things back on track. Initially, I was wary as it felt too contrived, but weirdly, it's been the best thing ever. We have a day of the week where we know there will be physical intimacy of some kind, whether that's sex or just a really good makeout session is up to us. But all day we flirt with each other, knowing what's coming that evening, and we make a special effort to be embedded a good time, have space for each other, etc. I'm not making out with anybody. I'm either having full sex or I'm out. I don't have time to be like doing any of this grinding in jeans like we did back in high school. No, thank you. No. But I've only been married, like Bobby and I will have been together for five years in January. So everything's fine so far, but I am, you know, you can hear me on the podcast. I'm looking fast forwarding to like, oh, is this what men want in a marriage? Oh, well, what does 10 years look like? Oh, what does 20 years look like? And your kids are older than ours. So maybe, maybe, yeah. I mean, if it's helping you, We're back to having sex kind of a lot now, though, so I don't know. 
Ah, but now they have my period, I gotta stop. I just thought I would share in case it helps any of your listeners who want to get their love life back on track and really don't fancy shelling out crazy amounts for therapy after cheating. Well, yeah. Yes. And this is the thing, as I'm hearing from a lot of people who've been married a long time, is you just have to schedule sex. You have to put it in the schedule and that feels like it's not romantic. But if you just get used to it, I spoke to this woman, Kimberly. I think she's a listener of the podcast and she won't mind me using her name because we're actually speaking on television and everyone's about to hear about it. She's cool. She's a comedian. She's called Kimberly Policelli and she's from America and she's living here. Her husband is this tech guy and he makes an Excel spreadsheet because she was like, babe, we got to spice it up. And then he took that to mean like, okay, my, my mission is now to create a spreadsheet and they have different kinds of sex. And I mean like sex in the car or like sex with a costume, I guess, or I forget what the different categories were. That would be too much for me. But what I like about your email is that you are doing something with your husband that's comfortable for you guys. You guys are like, we don't need to like go to torture gardens or like be having like dogging in the park or like get whips and chains. That's not us. But every Wednesday, the kids go to bed and we get in bed early and we do something sexual. You, I'm, I think that you have to do that. Can we do this thing? Okay, this is a plea and I mean it very seriously. My sister, Carrie, is married to a man called Alan. He's Filipino. The Filipino family are very religious. And so to get married in their church, they had to first do not marriage counseling, but like they had to be members of the church and talk to the priest a lot. But then one thing that the church did, and I loved this, is match them up with an older married couple. I don't remember whether they're elderly or older or whatever, but they're in the church family. And my sister and her husband have dinner with this older married couple once every three months, maybe. I forget what the scheduling is. And at that dinner, they just talk about life, about marriage, about how they keep it going. And I feel like none of us ideally want to be old and resentful. None of us want to be cheating. None of us want to be unhappy. We all want, for the most part, to have fruitful, successful marriages. Your marriage doesn't have to last forever for it to be a success, but it is stressful, a lot of hard work to end your marriage. So ideally, I'm trying to save you the admin of that. Can some older married people or people in long-term relationships or people in like successful relationships, if you're old, old, as old as possible, my oldest listeners, please write in. You will be kept anonymous if you want. Tell us the ups and downs, like what has kept your marriage together at times you thought that it would fall apart, how you fix it, how you keep it spicy. Are you happy? Because most of the people who write me are frankly very unhappy and I keep telling them to leave. <laughs> but is that a phase? Like, can, because if both people are reasonable and communicate well and are respectful and are in love, what do you have to do to keep that going? What? Because my first guess is be a mess, stop being a good wife and mother. And that might be bad advice. I think I told people to cheat earlier in the podcast, which I don't actually advocate. It's too stressful. What do you do? Please write us. Sperm donor, oh no, sperm donor horror story. Catherine, I'm listening to the latest episode. It made me think of a story I saw in the press here in Quebec. From what I understand, it is not allowed here anymore to compensate sperm donors. And that's obviously led to a shortage of sperm in the sperm banks. So there's been a parallel market. I love that this person is French. <laughs> I can hear by how you're writing. So there is a parallel market for sperm donors where the insemination is artisanal. Think pipette or syringe without a needle. Since these often go through things like Facebook groups, 
where there are moms who notice that their kids look oddly alike and after a while discovered they had the same donor. Maybe no biggie, but then the numbers started to grow and a journaliste got involved. They discovered that between only two donors, there were upwards of 400 half-sibling babies? Leave it to the French. This whole histoire is upsetting with the donors lying and going to great extent to impregnate more women. Aside from the emotional trauma for the woman, there's also a public health concern as the gene pool in Quebec is not that big. So having so many half-siblings is concerning. Imagine finding out that the person you're dating is actually closely related to you. There is a documentary on this that was done by a journalist, French title Pierre Sans Enfant. Available on Crave in Canada. Not sure is it if it has been translated, but pretty sure if it is not available outside Canada. But maybe it is. If you are curious... <laughs> I can't do the French accent anymore. Si vous êtes curieuse, track it down with subtitles. It's not that closely related to the topic you were discussing, but in the spirit of warning women of the sickos that are out there, I thought this was maybe worth a word. What accent am I doing in the end? I've had a lot of coffee. It's fun for me to do accents. Catherine, thank you for writing me that. I've heard so many stories like this where actual sperm donors themselves in fertility clinics. In America, there's this guy who just, he got obsessed with the success rates. He knew his sperm worked and he was also obviously a narcissistic psychopath and he started injecting his own sperm into women who weren't being successful in creating embryos with their partner's sperm. And the same thing happened in that town. There was some whistleblower and it was like a hundred kids he'd fathered in a very small town. And we have that in the UK too. There's a program on Channel 4. I forget what it's called. But yeah, you see like just Facebook groups or Gumtree or Craigslist and people just roll up in the driveway and they jerk off and they give you like a turkey baster of sperm. I mean, look, look, no judgment. There is, There are many ways to build a family and some people just can't afford the fees of the clinics and they're desperate to have a child. And it's better than hoodwinking someone into a one night stand and like, not him not no i mean look he shouldn't be leaving his sperm without protection laying around in your vagina that's an argument but ugh, i don't know last email gobble me swallow me <laughs> this tickled me it's a novelty neon sign that is upsetting some of our customers catherine we have a small neon sign that sits amongst many other neon signs and it seems to be causing controversy amongst our customers the sign reads gobble me swallow me and is in Patient, neon red, and above our Christmas market stall. <laughs> I don't need to explain the original reference to you. No, you don't. It's from Meg B. Stallion and Cardi B. Video. Gobble me, swallow me, drip down the side of me. Run down on a man for a have rubbing me. I don't know all the words anymore. Bite that lip. Tuck your shit. Something, something. Well, I ride that dick. Oh my gosh, I don't even listen to hip hop anymore. I'm not angry enough, but we know the song. Wet ass pussy. Gobble me, swallow me. <laughs> but like who cares if they don't know that song they shouldn't have a problem with gobble me swallow me because it could be about turkeys or like other festive references it draws a lot of attention this sign for photo opportunities with 90 percent of the public loving it which was exactly the intention of the sign when we purchased it my partner and i feel that the sign is what you make of it we serve steamed dumplings which you gobble and swallow along with other foods duh However, we've encountered a certain demographic of custom that seemed to find it profusely offensive. We're not going to beat around the bush. They are all men, all over 50. 
We're not going. <laughs> Some men have acted so shocked they've walked up to our stall to state their opinion with several remarks such as, are you serious with that sign? Please tell me that's a joke. There are children here, you know. I wouldn't hang that around. Food? Huh, this sign would put me off ordering. Are we missing the point? Is our sign going too far? We're dumbfounded as to why it's causing hysteria amongst this demographic. We haven't had a single female complaint about the sign. Since when do men get to pick and choose when they become prude? Oi, dumpling girls, Christmas market circuit in Manchester. I was at the Christmas market in Manchester last year. I had the most amazing time. I was touring in Manchester. Oh, it wasn't was it last year or the year before? Was I pregnant? I think it was last year. I don't know. But I, Manchester Christmas Market is my favorite. Dumpling Girls. I'm saying your name. This is a cool sign. So one sign says Juicy Dumplings. I can't say what another one says. Gobble me, swallow me. Look, I mean, what is wrong with these men? I would just play totally innocent because anything that you do in a public forum, 90% approval rating is huge. I would think a sign like that, you'd be looking at like 65, 35, but 90, great. And then if those men want to come up and be like, there are children, it's like what that baby can read, number one. And number two, even a child who can read won't understand gobble me, swallow me reference. Like to me, it just sounds like a turkey thing or dumpling thing. Like you said, gobble me, swallow me is what you do with dumplings. Not always a dick, sir. So I feel the next man who comes up to you just very innocently look him in the face and be like, what? Why? What does it mean? What do you? Oh, no. What? I don't understand. Like, just play really dumb. Say you don't know why it could possibly be offensive and make him explain it to you. Be like, well, I am a fan of Cardi B and I know that this is in reference to a blowjob. Like, make him say it to you. Just act like you don't know. And... He can't have any complaints. Point out other signs. Be like, is anything wrong with this one? Is anything wrong with that one? Oh no, my sign. And then start to cry if you can. Get him to buy you dumplings. Get him to pay your rent. <laughs> I've been listening to the slum flower. Actually, I'm going to be a guest on her podcast soon. I just love her so much because oh, I think as an activist and as an educator and as a writer and as a provocateur, she is just so strong and she says things that are very disruptive. So check out the Slumflower podcast if you can't already, but that's what she would do. She would, she would be running circles around these men. She would have these men like sending flowers to the dumpling stand, best customers buying dumplings every day. I think they just want an interaction and sex for some reason they feel very like hyped up about. And maybe nobody's gobbled them, swallowed them in a while. So they're extra cross. Act like you don't know what it means. That's my advice to you. Thank you so much for all your letters. Please continue to write me. It's the holidays, so I know that everyone's really busy. I hope that you're doing all the fun, fun things and enjoying different Christmas cocktails. I have some alcohol coming to the house today because I've seen a lot of cocktails influenced online. I'm going to be making a Christmas white Russian. That is an ounce and a half of vanilla vodka, a half an ounce of coffee liqueur, half an ounce of amaretto, and then you make your own eggnog with one of those little milk frothers that's like five pounds on Amazon. And you make eggnog by mixing an egg yolk with sugar and putting that to one side. And then on a saucepan, you heat some cream and milk and a little bit of salt, I think, and nutmeg. And then you just scoop by scoop add it to the egg so you don't like cook the egg and then you mix it all together and you froth it up and it just looks like the nicest Christmas cocktail. And I also saw some coconut cream margaritas and I also saw a gingerbread martini 
and I'm getting really excited because I can only really have one drink a day and those are gonna be my drinks. And today I'm all dressed up with a very holiday lip. For those of you watching the clips on Instagram, no, you can't access the full podcast yet because I'm going to meet Rosie Jones, comedian extraordinaire, and Judy Love, comedian extraordinaire, both touring right now or soon um, for a Christmas drink. So happy holidays. Thank you so much for listening to Telling Everybody Everything. Please write me emails at tellingeverybodyeverything at gmail.com and I'll see you next week. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com